Buffs Nation. What's going on? Welcome back into another episode of the Buffs Nation podcast. I wish we were speaking on better terms. I kind of feel like we're in a, we're in a fight right now, right? It's kind of how this <laughs> feels with the with the Buffs football team. Now look, we love the Buffs. That's the one thing that we always say on this show. We come in, we we're passionate about it. The biggest Buffs fans you'll ever meet. But this is a downtime right now in the saga of Buffs football, especially the, the Carl Durrell era. So on today's show, we'll talk about what's going on with Buffs football. What can they do to turn things around? Obviously, we'll preview the USC game coming up here uh, this week at uh, Folsom Field, and we will rewind and take a look at the ASU game. Disappointing opening up uh, to the Pac-12 schedule this year. I'm Tyler Walge, Jared All, out of town this week. Ryan Smith, Ryan producer, uh, producer Ryan, how you doing? Good. How's it going, Tyler? It's good for me. Now, Jared is, we are sans Jared because he's in the sand. You like that? Oh, I like it. Uh, it's kind of, I've, I've had that all day. Now I'm done with the show. I did no other prep besides that. No, he's in Mexico, isn't he? Yeah. He's yeah. In, is he in Cancun or Cabo, one of the seas? I'm not sure, but it's honestly like, uh, you know, you brought up how it just kind of feels weird. And we're kind of in a downtime and then we... Do a show coming off a loss, you know, with one guy gone. <laughs> Jared's not here. We're shorthanded. We think he's in Mexico. He could have uh, just... Who knows what Jared... He could have just ran away. Exactly. Or maybe he just said he's in Mexico and he's just hanging out at home. And it's, I'm taking a week off. I can't talk about the buffs this week. I highly doubt that because I saw pictures. Looks like he's having a great time. <laughs> it does. I mean, look, I don't know how much they spent on this thing. Whew, I guess Jared's living the high life. I didn't think podcasting paid that well, but apparently Jared's... <laughs> Maybe he's got some backdoor deals that we don't know about. But. You guys are getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently Jared is. My God, man. I want to get away. I'm you know, driving up to uh, the foothills for, uh, for a couple of days. You know, That's, that's what I'm doing. Okay. But uh, anyway, all right. So let's, let's get to it. Buffs football. I procrastinated as long as I could. Uh, <laughs> losing last week. Opening up Pac-12 play at Arizona State. 35-13. And I will say, at least there was a spark of some kind of life with the offense. And we that's clear that we're not at a great point when we're getting excited about a first down or two first downs. Now, Ryan, I've told you this before, and I've said this to the audience. Uh, I listen to the radio broadcast of Gary Barnett and Mark Johnson, and right. I, I dub it up with the TV. Yeah, and they do which, a great job. Oh, they do an awesome job, and, and and that's actually tough to do. The reason I can do that is because I have a Fubo, which you can pause and play. And I think actually, does Comcast offer that on like normal TV? Because um, I think my mom has, you know, yeah, all, I, every, all the old people that have Comcast well, or I whatever. Have a, it is. I have Xfinity. So yeah, but you're an old. You, you don't have social old. media either. That's true. I'm an old soul. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, you you can pause it. You can so, record. You so can do that's out, actually like, how you should do it if you want to do what I do. Because right. you should. These announcers don't know what the heck they're talking about. Buffs football and the Pac-12 Network, even ESPN, Fox. So it's so great to hear Gary Barnett and, and Mark Johnson, who love the Buffs, know the Buffs, and uh, I mean Gary Barnett. Say what you want to about him. And for our younger listeners, you know, uh, who may not know who he is, he was the Buffs coach in the early 2000s. The last time they were really humming, consistently competing for conference championships. Yep. Gary Barnett left the program because of, you know, there were some violations, there were some recruiting issues, to which I say, you know who else has dealt with recruiting issues and violations? Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh, the best in the business. And I know Jim Harbaugh this year, but or this year he's okay. My point is, everyone who's had success in college football deals with that. Now, what happened back in the early 2000s was CU, being the very respectable university they are, they didn't put up with that, right? They had right. a no-tolerance policy. So 
they let him go after all that. And CU hasn't recovered since, in my opinion. They've had a couple up years, but not the consistency that we've seen. So it's great to hear him, I think, on the broadcast because he's so truthful. He's so raw. He doesn't... He, <laughs> let me tell you what. There's a lot of college play-by-plays across the country, and they are homers. And it's just... I mean, I grew up doing my radio for the UNC Bears broadcast. Same thing. You're not allowed to say anything bad about the team. Gary Barnett will say what he thinks, when he thinks, and it doesn't matter what's going on. Right. And so I have here a couple uh, thoughts from the game that, uh, that they uh, were talking about. So... Um, Gary Barnett said, "Needs <clears throat> just a couple, a couple, a couple quotes from last game. Um, this was in the second quarter after Brendan Lewis had an incomplete pass, and and uh, just to let you know, Brendan Lewis last game, sixty-seven passing yards. His totals on the season have been one hundred and two against the Bears, eighty-nine against A and M, fifty-five against Minnesota." And he threw for 67 against ASU. So it was the second quarter. He had, he had an incomplete pass. And Gary Barnett said, you know what it seems like to me? It seems like they're just telling him who to throw to. And he's locking onto him and, and, and not getting off off that receiver. You know, And when a coach who knows what they're talking about, who's coached quarterbacks, who's coached quarterback coaches, and understands the process, I don't all the time. I mean, I can watch a football game and I can't see these little details. That's why I love listening to that. And what do you think about that? Do you think that he could have been locking onto receivers? The coaches are, do you think that's possible? The coaches are saying, hey, man, look, look, look for, uh, you know, whoever would be here. Look for Rice here. Well, look, look well for, for Montana, sure. Yeah. Uh, Levis Cushenault here. Look of whoever. course it's possible. And, and I think I've said it the last couple of weeks on this show that this just looks like Brendan Lewis just being a young quarterback. I mean, he the game's a little bit too fast for him. And sometimes, if they are doing that, sometimes that's the only way to have any sort of success. I mean, that's true, but we've seen a lot of young quarterbacks come into Boulder and and across the country, and that's the thing right now that I think is getting both fans upset. If this were 10 years ago, and freshman quarterbacks are rare, and when they do play, it's like, okay, it's a freshman playing, let's have low expectations this year. That's how it was when we kind of grew up watching college football, even 20 years ago, okay? Now... We see these guys, these freshmen come in all the time. I mean, we're not even talking OU, Alabama, LSU, who are going to get these good quarterbacks. I'm talking Missouri, BYU. Like, it shouldn't be so abnormal that a freshman is is looking like he's comfortable. You know, so with Brendan Lewis, I'm not sure what's going on, but I've been upset with him the last couple of weeks. That's been well documented. And I don't think he's looked good. And I think it's possible the coaches are trying what they can with a limited playbook. Yeah, absolutely. He, because he can't do a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree. But I do have a couple thoughts on the coaching staff because I've been very easy on the coaching staff so far. But I think that the more I watch and the more this season goes on, or four games now done with a 12 game season. I think it could be the coaching staff more and more, at least putting these guys in the right in the right position. We know what Brendan Lewis is. I mean, hell, we knew what Brendan Lewis was at halftime of the UNC game. Yep. So this whole idea that the coaching staff, they're surprised that he's looking this bad. No, they know what they have. They knew what they had. So they should have been doing what they can to come up with all types of creative plays and ways to get the football down the field and screen passes and whatever it is, getting the ball out of his hands. Did you notice Arizona State last week? They were on that double reverse pass, whatever it was, ended up getting a touchdown or yeah. a huge gain against the Buffs. That's what I'm talking about. There was none of that from CU. 
And you don't have to have a great quarterback to run those. As a matter of fact, you should be running more of those for sure without a great quarterback. I think the bus offense, sometimes when I watch these games, it they have no rhythm. You know, there's there's positive plays here and there, but there's nothing consistent and they don't look like they are in rhythm. And that's a problem. I mean, that, oh, that, absolutely. that that's the issue with the offense not getting in rhythm, defense never getting in rhythm because the offense isn't helping them out. But again, this coaching staff not putting these guys in the position to succeed, it's it, this is not hard. I mean, this should be, and what I mean by not hard, CU had a delay of game, their opening play of the second drive. It's off of a, a freaking TV timeout. We come back from a th- uh, like a two and a half minute timeout. <laughs> They've been talking to the coaches right for the last two minutes. Jog on in the field. Delay of game. Yeah. What's going on? I mean, that is the that's what I'm talking about. That's not Brendan Lewis. That's true. That's the coaching staff. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's where I say the more I see, the more I'm saying, okay, maybe it's not all Brendan Lewis. And so you do some homework, you do some research, and I'm not actually convinced that it's all Darren Shiverini. Now, don't tell that to anybody on social media because they are just, I mean, they are on a Shiverini hunt right now. And yeah. let me tell you, it doesn't help when Shiverini Jr., I don't, I forget his name, but he's a, he's his son, who's also a coach, is caught yawning on the sidelines like he's ready for bed. And you look at CU's sideline and it looks like they just got out of church service. Yeah. This is not well, good. Listen, I said it last week. Um, even just getting out of the car um, in Boulder, you could tell that the Buffs weren't going to win that game. And then I turn on um, the game on Saturday, and you know I'm at home, and I felt the exact same thing. It's like they get off the bus, and they already know that they're going to lose. Do you think they're taking on the personality of Coach Durrell? I, th- I think you might have an argument there for sure. I mean, the, mo- <clears throat> the more I get into this, and I just said I kind of defend Shiverini because the reason I don't think it's all Shiv is go back and look what he did with Montez and with Sefo Lufau. I mean, he's been calling plays for quite some time, and the offense has never really been the problem. Could it have looked better at times? Every co- every offense in the country, you can go back every game and find 15 plays that could have gone different or you should have called something else, and it's so easy sitting on your lazy boy at home and say, hey, you should have run that football. <laughs> so I hate the whole play calling thing and I don't think it's all Shiv so I did a little homework did a little research and went back and looked at Carl Durrell's past as a coach what has the narrative been wherever he's gone and this article from the LA Times in 2014 Ryan this is seven years ago okay I'm gonna read a little bit here Carl Durrell's time in Nashville turned out to be more of an extended vacation and this is the LA Times talking about uh, Carl Durrell remember he got fired from UCLA And then he got immediately hired as the offensive coordinator at Vanderbilt. Uh, This article goes on to say, the former UCLA coach was fired as Vanderbilt's offensive coordinator Wednesday after only one season. Apparently, his West West Coast offense didn't fare much better in the East than it did in the West. The Commodores averaged just 17 points a game and finished with a 3-9 record. One reporting covering Tennessee termed it as the three-and-out offense of the SEC. UCLA fans remember why. Darrell was uh, UCLA's coach from 2003 to 2007 and led the Pac-10 and Pac-12 in those times in three-and-outs. So, Ryan, wow, this was seven years ago, and I'm not going to blame Rick George for not doing his homework, but I'm kind of going to blame Rick George for not doing his homework because what's happened here in the interim, right, in that time, and actually... 
that's sort of a hyper uh, hyperbolic statement because Rick George has done a really good job, I think, in most avenues. Sure. But Carl Durrell has done nothing to prove he can be a head coach. He's gotten surrounded by amazing NFL talent. Even last game, they're showing, hey, look at this amazing staff back in the 90s, the Washington uh, Redskins back there. And it was all these great coaches and Carl Durrell's on the staff. I've always said this. Proximity to greatness does not equal greatness, okay? If you're amazing at your job and someone gets hired and is in the next cubicle, maybe they can learn one or two things from you and get a little better at their job, but they're not going to be intrinsically better or more motivated or show up any earlier. And then that's that's talking in generalities, but still, just because you're around a lot of great coaches, you may learn a thing or two, absolutely, you know, but that doesn't mean you're going to be great yourself. And so I think that's where a lot of hires get mistaken is, oh, well, look, he coached under Saban for 10 years. Of course, he's got to be, or he, he look, he's with Jimmy Johnson. He's with uh, all these old school coaches in the NFL. Look who he's learned from. Of course, he's going to be good. I've never bought that in coaching and radio in anything. If you work at, 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 at the grocery store and you're great at your job and someone around you doesn't matter. So I don't care what you're doing. I think if you're around greatness, it doesn't mean a dang thing. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I think something that we're seeing here um, regarding Coach Durrell is, so, you know, Midnight Mel leaves, Mel Tucker leaves. I hate to even say his name still. Um, You hire Carl Durrell late, and then you have a COVID season, which I think he did a very good job of coaching last year. However, you know, they want – some of those games were – less than a touchdown wins you know and then you get into this year and i think we're starting to slowly see what kind of a coach that we have in boulder Uh, i mean unfortunately i think that's the case and i don't think we're overreacting here i mean it's one it's one thing if we're looking good in these games losing close games and it's like we're looking okay along the way this team looks like they're lost right well and one other thing i want to say about that is in last year's season now you go, you you make it to the Alamo Bowl. You have you play really well in conference, even one at a conference game too. And then I think it got everybody's as fans, everybody's hopes up. Yeah. And then yeah. now we're starting to see all of our shortcomings with arguably a, a better roster. And now everybody's you know running around with like chicken with their heads cut off. Yeah, I think so too. It does not look good. A couple of things here from Carl Durrell's press conference just I think one day ago. Uh, Carl Durrell, what he said about his team. He came out, he opened up, first thing he said, penalties killed the Buffs last week. Went on to say that you can't win if you're uh, converting penalties on uh, third down and uh, you're, you know, staying on the field as a defense. Now, the penalties, let's see here. Buffs had eight penalties for 84 yards. Arizona State had seven penalties for 90 yards. Now, while we don't like eight penalties for 84 yards, there wasn't a huge discrepancy in that. I want to see that cleaned up, but still, that's not the reason the Buffs lost. So I think what's happening here, coaches even are starting to point fingers, wonder why this is happening. I don't think the penalties were necessarily the reason why the Buffs didn't play well, but it wasn't good. And on that note, Carl Durrell also said his only concern right now is he wants players to focus on getting better week by week and fixing the mistakes they've made. Okay, if we're making the same mistakes, that's not accomplishing that goal. Okay, it's the same thing over and over. The offense is making the same mistakes. It's penalties. It's 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 I mean, again, I know I said it earlier, when you have a, a first down off a TV timeout and you get a delay of game, yeah. that says it all right there. So I know Carl Durrell wants certain things to happen, but 
You can't just talk it into existence. You have to actually do it, and I'm seeing a big gap there. I really am. Terrell also said he's happy with the offense, how it made progress. I mean, I guess progress means the first three games were all declining in passing yards, and that game we increased in passing yards by like 20. So maybe that's progress, and he's happy with the improvement of quarterback, and then he took some more time to say the special teams were not good either. Obviously, the, the blocked kick. What do you think about that with Cole Becker? Do you think they're playing Cole Becker because he's the number one overall kicker in the country, right? He was being recruited by Alabama, LSU, and he came to CU because Mason Crosby and company have all looked better in altitude. So do you think that they promised him, hey, you come here, we're playing you, starting you week one? Otherwise, why wouldn't they put Evan Price in? I just think that Cole Becker has a bigger leg. I think it gives him more... Doesn't accuracy mean anything? Doesn't getting it over the line mean anything? I mean... Well, sure, but I mean... Last year, wasn't Evan Price like 15 for 18 or something like that off the top of my head? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I, I... You know, we need to have an offense that can get us closer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the case. But uh, anyway, Cole Becker, hey, he made his first one of the year. So maybe that little confidence gets him going. He's got a heck of a leg, though. Yeah, he's going to be exciting to he see does. what he can do once he kind of calms down. Uh, last uh, note here from the press conference, uh, Carl Durrell was asked by a reporter, are you afraid of losing the locker room? And I have a quote here from Carl Durrell. Quote, it's hard to say. It's kind of a case-by-case scenario. You like that answer? It's hard to say. Now, that's like asking Eric. That, that to me means I've already lost it. That's what I'm saying. If you're in a, in a, in a fight with your wife and you say, hey, you guys going to get divorced? That's eh, tough to say. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? No, you want to hear? No, we're gonna work. We're gonna work through. It's gonna be okay. It's like it's like no, we're gonna get through. The locker room is not lost. They understand what we're doing. We're gonna win. It's the Pac-12. We have one setback. We're zero and one in the Pac-12. No, no one's lost. He's like, ah, you know as well as I do. Who may lose him? Who knows? <laughs> what? What kind of an answer is that? I don't know. But this show and this football team is gonna give me an ulcer, man. Uh, me too. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like, ah. Uh, yeah, Ryan shows up today in the studio. It's like, yeah, you ready? Yeah, you ready. Okay, <laughs> let's do this. But uh, anyway, that's the last thing I had from the press conference and my thoughts on the coaching staff. I do think it starts at the top, and I am so convinced. I, You're not going to convince me otherwise. This team is not the least talented team in the Pac-12. No. If you, if you just look at talent right now, CU should be lowest middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think it's one of the most talented CU teams I've seen in recent history. Yeah, frustrating. But uh, let's turn the page, move on to this week against uh, USC. First, though, let's get to uh, this week in Colorado football history. Ryan, what do we got for this week in Buffs football history? So on September 30th, 1995. Old 1995. 95. Old John Hessler. Oh, Johnny. Actually, Johnny H. Oh, Johnny H. John yeah, Hess. That's right. He uh, set a school record with five touchdown passes uh, against Oklahoma. Uh, so you went on to win that game 38-17. to And then he actually did the exact same thing uh, a couple weeks later wow. with a win at Oklahoma State. How about that? Five touchdown passes in 1995. Again, for the kids out there, for all you kids out there, that was not known, right? Five touchdown passes, that's yeah. back in the day. 
They're not throwing the football a lot. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, triple options heyday, you know, three yards and a cloud of dust. Especially with CU. I yeah, mean, CU's absolutely. One of the better running teams in the, in the, in the 90s. So. Yeah, we've gotten so used to, you know, teams just throwing it all over the, the ballpark. Well, and you got to give CU credit for adapting as the Big 12 advanced when CU was in it. Then they come to the Pac-12, which was a passing league. They did what they had to to kind of keep up and adapt to that style of play. Now, would I like to see that having rushing attack come back? Chris Brown, Bobby Purify, man, that was fun. But yeah. hey, you got to I mean, win. Hey, you got to win. Just the, pro- the the product that we're seeing right now just isn't good enough. And for you know diehard CU fans and you know fans like us who you know we spend our hard earned money right. on season tickets to go to these games, support the university. It's just something's got to something's got to change. Yeah, it's up to like thirty to fifty bucks to park. That's just a park. I know. Come on, buffs. That's. Can't be doing that to us here. All right, uh, before we get to the USC game, this is a Woos Media podcast. Any of you out there like other podcasts, other college football podcasts, uh, sports betting podcasts, check out Woos Media online, woosmedia.com, W-O-O-Z-E media.com, and uh, check some other podcasts out today. All right, USC coming to Boulder. Uh, unfortunately, CU has never beaten the USC Trojans. Oh, and 14, is it? Lifetime? I think it is 0 and 14. Yep. Uh, game 12 o'clock noon this Saturday. It's on the Pac-12 Network. Ryan, let's talk about the USC Trojans, what they've done this year. Because, look, I will say this. Of any of the 14 years, well, 15 including this season, if there was a beatable USC team, it's this team. Unfortunately, this is probably the least equipped Buffs team to handle that. Now, the optimism is there. If you look online, look on social media, it seems to be this is the make-or-break game. People are still holding out hope. Colorado will show up, be able to beat USC, then Arizona the week after. Who knows? Maybe the Buffs are 3-3, three and three, but hold on. Because USC, even though they're 2-2, two and two, and they did lose last week to Oregon State, they've been looking better and better. Jackson Dart, their quarterback... Uh, 65% completions, four touchdowns, two picks. He has not been sacked yet. That's the biggest difference. They made a quarterback change after their second game. Keaton Slovis was pulled, uh, and they put in Jackson Dart. Keaton Slovis held on to the football way too long. He was sacked five times in two games. Jackson Dart, two games, no sacks. Uh, they throw the ball mainly to Drake London. Hello, Drake. Foggy London town, Drake. He's USC's uh, best receiver, number 15. That's going to be the main goal for CU. Shut down Drake London because he gets on the outside. He gets open. They actually put him all over the field. So I don't know what CU's going to do. Mark him up. Just make sure you always know where he is. But, you know, bracket him. But just to give you an idea, he has 39 receptions. The next highest receiver on their team with receptions is Taj Washington with 15. Yeah, I mean, just last week alone, he had 10 catches for 165 yards. So It's crazy. I mean, so they look to him, and clearly he's got a good uh, rapport with their new quarterback, uh, Jackson Dart. So a lot of those targets and receptions have come after the quarterback switch was made. So uh, got to shut down Drake London, uh, Taj Washington, Gary Bryant Jr. They do have some talent on the outsides, but it starts with London. In the uh, running game, uh, two-headed uh, rusher, uh, two-headed uh, rushing crew here, Keontae Ingram and Veve Malape. Is that right, Ryan? Nailed it. I don't do USC, but uh, <laughs> let's call him Veve Malape. Uh, three combined touchdowns, only five as a team on the ground. USC, when they get in the red zone, they throw it for touchdowns. Eight through the air, five on the ground. Now, I will say, this isn't a great USC team. Nothing really, uh, you know, top of the Pac-12, nothing super elite. But if you look all across the board so far, 
at least from the grades on Pro Football Focus College, they're grading better than the Buffs in almost every category. Uh, CU does grade better than USC with their rushing attack. Clearly, this is going to have to be a game where CU tries to establish something on the ground. And uh, special teams. Actually, CU is one of the better special teams units in the country. So, let's talk about USC's uh, uh, offense. Keys to slowing them down. I think it's getting to the quarterback. If you can put pressure on Jackson Dart, that's going to change a lot of what he's been able to do in his production. Again, Jackson Dart has been sacked zero times since he was put in. He's got a 156.8 quarterback rating. That's good. So if we can pressure Dart and force USC to run the football, shorten this game up, that's going to be key when the buffs are on defense. Now when CU has the football, what more can we really say here? I mean... You know what's so funny, Ryan, is last couple years, we use these previews and we go in depth with the buffs and the stats and who's going to be their breakout player and which receiver is going to have the most yards and what about the... It's so... We're so lost with this offense. I don't feel like we should do any of that. That's disingenuous to say any of that. All I'm looking for is some good drives to stay in this game and, and to be competitive. I mean, is there anything wrong with that? that no. Expectations no. have dropped I mean, that much in like a month? No. I mean, it really hasn't. I mean... Just from what we've seen, it's I'm grasping. It's you know my my uh, what I'm looking for has drastically gone down. Yeah, I, I mean, mean I, when when you're when we opened the show, you said you know you you saw a lot of bright things in the game, and we only scored 13 well, points. I said I saw some maybe positives on offense, and hey, when you're introing the show, you want to maybe get a little positive no, here but and I, say, I'm, hey. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that I agree with you, but that's coming <laughs> off of, you know, but scored 13 points. Exactly, and that's the idea, is is it's so, it's almost like if you're like a consistent F student in school, <laughs> and then you get a D, and you're so excited, that's what just happened last weekend. Hey, we're moving on up. <laughs> it's improvement. <laughs> we, we, we got a first down. It's like, that's where the bar is right now, yeah. but it shouldn't be that way. I'm going to no. repeat this. This is a talented team. Now, I'm not so sure about Brennan Lewis. I think the quarterback position is still a question mark. I wouldn't mind seeing Drew Carter in there. Yeah, I think they're trying to protect his eligibility for the future and whatnot, but my point is, outside quarterback, I think this team is certainly f- number four, five, maybe six in the Pac-12. So, the idea that what's going on right now should be expected, and this sentiment that Ryan and I have should be normal is is off. It's all the coaching staff so far not getting these, these guys ready, and I kind of have made that turn. I've, I, I'm convinced now it's uh, on, the, on the shoulders now of this coaching staff to turn things around. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, like I said, uh, not a whole lot specifically, but I do think it's important for the Buffs to get that running game going and do it creatively. I mean, I don't know what happened the last year and a half, but there's nothing getting the ball to the outsides. No, no speed options. Yeah. No, it's all just the same tired play after tired play. Yeah, it's pretty vanilla. Exactly. Now I did notice Alex Fondo was getting a lot of touches last game. Yeah. Do you think they're phasing Broussard out on purpose? Um, you know, is I, it a production I, thing? I, I couldn't it? see why. I mean, I know he got dinged up in the A and M game. Maybe he's not a hundred percent healthy. That could be the case. I mean, but look, Fonno also just runs hard, and I think we as as Buffs fans, we forgot how good Fonno is. A couple of years ago, he was really, really elite. I mean, we were saying, you know, look at this one-two punch, and then he gets hurt. So. I think maybe he's just as good as Broussard potentially. Otherwise, yeah. I don't know why Broussard's uh, not out there. And you know, maybe, maybe. Um, I'm sorry, Alex Fontenot 
gives you a better option out of the backfield in the in the passing game. I mean, that could be the case too. You're looking at quarterback protection. You're looking at keeping Brendan Lewis safe. They, you can't rule anything out right now. And I didn't hear anything that, in the press conference or on on, on yeah, you know, in the news that could be hinting towards that either. But uh, I mean, it's hard to say too. When I mean, Brendan Lewis only had seven completions against Arizona State. Like he's only had 38 all year. I mean, if you look at USC's quarterbacks, yeah. As a unit, they've completed 113 passes this year. Brendan Lewis has completed 38. Yeah. I mean, and it is a unit, so he's completed 42. So, so um, and, and one thing right now, Tyler, is I'm seeing that um, Jackson Dart actually was unavailable last week because of a knee injury, so I'm not sure if we'll see Slovis or Dart. I'm trying to figure out if, if Dart's going to be able to play or not. So. Look, I mean, that... I didn't watch the USC game last week. That's not that important to me. I mean, I know, no, it, I know. Ma- it matters who the quarterback is that we're playing. But right now, I mean, whoever it is, and look, obviously, I think I'd probably rather see Slovis because he was benched. Sure. And it's probably an injury that, that Dart wasn't able to play. But either way, I think it's so important that the Buffs don't really... They, they, they've got to focus on just doing the In-house. fundamentals, mm-hmm. right? They're like the whole idea of, well, I mean, now that it's Slovis, no, we can do this on defense, this on defense. No, guys, we got to focus on getting off the field, getting this offense in a good position. But I will also say this, the defense is doing nothing wrong. The reason the defense isn't putting up great stats, they're spending way too much time on the field. There are way too many three outs by the offense. I mean, again, the broadcast this weekend Gary Barnett, Mark Johnson, they said it a ton. You know, the defense is exhausted. This offense needs first downs. Yeah. By the way, the Buffs ended what was a Pac-12 record. So the Buffs now have the record in the Pac-12. Most consecutive drives without scoring a point. Did you realize that? The streak ended at 24 drives. Uh, Yeah. Without a point. Without any points. And that ended on the field goal. Okay, so... Not good company there to be in. Um, would you want to see Drew Carter this week? With this weekend, will the real yeah, Drew Carter please stand up? Absolutely. I, I mean, give him a shot. You're not going to look any worse than you have the last two weeks anyway. No, so. I think we put Drew Carter in. In my opinion, with the 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 eligibility, who who cares? You know, how often coaches or quarterbacks are changing up in college football, transferring. It's like, right. are we really looking five years down the road to protect, to protect some eligibility? No, play him now. Yeah. Play him now. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see him. I thought he, he showed some bright spots against Minnesota. Oh, by the way, can we talk about Minnesota going the very next week after oh, blowing us out, losing to Bowling Green? God, <laughs> that's not good. Anyway, I'd like to see drew a little bit. I, I, I feel like, if you're just waiting until you have no shot at a bowl game or, you know, any any future this season, might as well just well might as well play him. This could be that season. This could be it. I mean, if well, they lose this game and you're one and four, one four with Arizona on deck, who knows? But if you win this game with Arizona on deck, you could be three and three because right. you got some momentum. Things have changed. So, uh, yeah. I mean, look, there's a not no shortage of things to play for coming up here this weekend. I'm just. Uh, it's tough to have the confidence that we had a couple weeks ago. Uh, by the way, I'm pull- I have some stats here. CU's receivers have one touchdown reception this year. Yeah. That's a group. It was uh, Montana, Lamonius Craig. That boy, Montana. That yeah, was great catch last week, too. Did you see that catch? Yeah. yeah. Sideline. All right. Um, <sighs> score prediction, Ryan. Um, you know, <laughs> Can we, uh, I'll go first. I'll go first. I don't know if we should do this. I but. know. I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> I'll say 21-20 buffs. 
Twenty-one twenty. I don't know. Really, cat going out on a I limb don't there. No man. Listen, so USC, uh, in particular, last week, um, kind of going through some of the things that the Buffs are kind of undisciplined football. They turned the ball over four times, had um, eleven penalties. So I think, I think if you're gonna beat USC for the first time, I think this is the US team that you can beat. Yeah. So I'll go. Um, gosh, I don't even know what. The score should be three zero. <laughs> yeah, soccer. Score. I'm gonna go seventeen uh, thirteen Colorado. There you go. Ryan said it seventeen thirteen. I'll take a twenty one twenty matchup. We're both picking the buffs. It's a little disingenuous, but whatever. Let's go buffs. End the streak at fourteen, <laughs> and let's turn the season around. All right, for Jared, who's not here, let's hope he's having a good time in <laughs> Mexico. I'm Tyler Walgie, Ryan Smith behind the buttons. Everyone, let's go for the buffs. Let's cheer him on. We'll talk to you next week.